broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Good morning. It's 8.08. You're listening to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I'm Randy Tobler, along with Stephanie Bell over there. Good morning. And Brian Hansen slipping into the news seat. Uh, Brian, Brian, uh, Brian, did I say Hanson? <laughs> yeah. Brian Houseworth. It's all right. Good, good morning, sir. Producer Hannah. Good morning, Gary Nolan. And uh, I'm Brian Hanson down in Jefferson City. How you doing, uh, John Marsh? How you doing, man? Here, sir. Um, so uh, you know what? I've been so worried that we have not covered um, in enough depth the real meat of last night's debate on News Nation. But to help us figure that out is uh, Michael Bakesha with Judicial Watch. How you doing, Michael? Is he there? There he is. How you doing, Michael? I'm great. How are you this morning? I'm good. And the reason I wanted to really start off, we've got a couple things to talk about, but uh, Tom Fitton was featured last night, the, the, the boss there, the grand poobah at Judicial Watch, uh, asking a couple of video questions. It was good to see the meat in those questions. Let's talk about them. What do you want, which one first? You know, we could talk about the uh, election integrity one first. Let's do that. Yeah, because he asked about election integrity, and um, I thought I thought there was some meat that came out of the answers. Was have you had a chance to talk to Tom about whether he was happy with the answers or not? I haven't had a chance to uh, talk to him yet this morning about whether he was happy with the answers. But I know going in, Judicial Watch's goal and Tom's goal was to uh, get some real answers, some serious answers from the candidates on really two issues that are really important, not only to Republican voters, but to all voters around the country. And so the I guess it happened to be the second question, but the question on election integrity was uh went to Governor DeSantis and asked him what he would do to ensure that the American public uh, was confident um, in the upcoming election that, you know, there wasn't any funny business going on. And uh, Governor DeSantis seemed to uh, lay out not only what he's done uh, in his state, but also, you know, how he sees it playing out uh as we approach 2024. Well, and then the other question he asked was about corruption and the DOJ and FBI. And I know you've spent a lot of time. You guys were the first ones on the ground trying to get uh, some more information about what initially happened at Mar-a-Lago. So that's been a really important issue to you. Um, how did you react to the candidates' responses to those questions? Yeah, so uh, Governor Christie got the got the question about... Um, President Trump's civil rights being violated and the Department of Justice and the FBI uh, being, you know, treating people differently. I think uh, Tom said kid gloves for both Hillary Clinton as well as Joe Biden and not the case for uh, President Trump. And, you know, you're right. We uh, we've been involved since 2015, looking at what the Justice Department, and what the FBI is doing when it comes to our elected officials. Um Stephanie, as you know, I personally uh, know firsthand about uh, Hillary Clinton and her emails, since I'm one of the few people in the country that have probably read all of her emails. Um, <laughs> Tell us more. Tell us more. <laughs> what is, what yeah, does your she, screen time monitor say, Michael? We've been talking about uh, that. Huh? Yeah. D- d- during those years, it was way too much. <laughs> but, you know, 
we, we deposed senior level State Department officials about how Hillary Clinton was able to do what she was yeah. going to do. And we learned from the FBI files that the FBI relied on Judicial Watch's work to uh, learn about what Hillary Clinton was doing during that time. And then we've been focused um, over the past couple of years about what the Justice Department and FBI is doing to uh, President Trump. And it really is extraordinary about how they are going after him and what they're now saying in court papers and how it didn't happen with Hillary Clinton and didn't happen um, is not happening with uh, President Biden, whether it's uh, his family corruption or where he was keeping classified documents once he left office. And should we mention um, Letitia James in New York uh, using a statute that hasn't been used before with this claim of, uh, you know, inflating the value of his properties when, you know, the debt, the, 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 the creditors seem to be happy. There wasn't a problem. So this selective prosecution is a, is a recurring theme, is it not? It is. And uh, Governor Christie gave a serious answer to the question. Um, He talked about how to bring the rule of law back to the Justice Department by making sure you hire U.S. attorneys that want to do their job, that they want to prosecute only people that commit crimes, not political opponents. And he also said that, you know, I guess uh, familiar to Missouri, um, you know, he was looking at uh, attorney general's of the past in Ashcroft about, uh, you know, people he thought were important and who followed the rule of law. Yeah, absolutely. Judicial Watch, judicialwatch.org involves uh, matters not only but of the, the national interest, but of course you have many irons in the fire. And one of the state issues, you had a big win the other day in Minnesota. And I think this is a pivotal pivotal issue. And of course, it's not the ultimate win, but at least you're uh, you're going to you're going to get your day in court. Let's talk about it. Uh, Absolutely. So, you know, I wish I could say it was the pivotal win, but what happened in Minnesota is, um, as many people know, Minneapolis teachers went on strike for approximately um, three weeks a couple of years ago. And um, one of the reasons they went on strike is they were trying to hold out for protections for certain teachers over other teachers. And what that resulted in was a contract provision that said if Minneapolis public schools had to do layoffs, Um, It used to be, you know, the least senior teacher would be the first one out. Um, Now it's the least senior teacher would be the first one out unless they're a teacher of color. And then you skip them and you find the white teacher and then you lay off that white teacher. (laughs) And so we Judicial Watch represents a taxpayer uh, that is suing Minneapolis public schools to say that's unconstitutional. That's blatantly racist. And uh, the other day, the Court of Appeals in Minnesota reversed the trial court and said that we have, you know, we have standing. Our taxpayer client can bring this claim. And so now we're going back to the trial court to argue about whether or not um, this blatantly racist policy is constitutional and whether or not Minneapolis public schools can spend taxpayers money uh, to be racist. Michael Fox News interviewed a retired uh, Border Patrol chief from down in the Yuma, Arizona area, and it was it was a pretty telling interview. It was his contention that the vast majority of people coming across the border are military-age males, and he said on his tenure they had eight Syrian nationals come across the border. Uh, this isn't a, an unknown kind of deal, is it? 
It's not. And Judicial Watch has been uh, reporting on uh, these types of individuals coming across the border for at least the past 10 years. Um, and, you know, if you go to judicialwatch.org and you, you search for information about the southern border, you'll see that we have been concerned and have been reporting time and again Um Individuals from Iran and Syria and other places are coming, going down to Mexico to cross our borders to get into our country illegally. And something needs to be done about it. In another thing I saw on the Judicial Watch site, um, you guys have been getting involved in this, this looming and menacing issue of government collusion, monitoring of, flagging of various um, posts on social media. And, I mean, I know... Uh, you know, our attorney general here in Missouri uh, and before him, Eric Schmidt. I mean, people have been really looking at this. There's, of course, a, a case that's going to go down to the Supreme Court uh, with many attorneys general talking about that. Um, and this is interesting. You found a couple of agencies that were doing monitoring of our social media posts. What's up? Yeah, I mean, it's really extraordinary. And uh, the Missouri Attorney General has done a great job of uh, putting this in the forefront and really, uh, you know, now bringing this up to the Supreme Court. And we should, um, you know, get some clarity on what government can and cannot do. Um, but Judicial Watch's focus has been slightly different is we've been looking at, you know, the soft power of government uh-huh. and this idea that, Government may be colluding, states may be colluding with social media companies, but it's not, it's not a direct hit. It's not take, take down this post, otherwise we're going to suspend you from doing business in our state. It's more of setting up channels like backdoor channels to allow communication saying, hey, did you see this post? Do you think you should do something about it? And what we have found, especially when it came to uh, California, is that uh, the social media companies will take down the posts within moments of getting getting an email or getting a communication from state from state secretaries of state as well as from uh, various agencies in the federal government. And it is a problem. It's something that Amer- the American public really should be aware about. And you know, it questions whether or not social media really is uh, the place we should have our political dialogue. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Americans have had it with intrusion into their lives in so many levels. I mean, it's bad enough that the social media companies themselves, without any government suggestion, will, you know, flag something and say it's inappropriate. And yet, on the other hand, it's like, what the heck? Um, uh, Brian Hansen, my producer the other night, found he was seeing pictures of, I mean, women breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Just blatantly, I mean bare-chested women breastfeeding and he said no wait how does that meet community standards because if you were to put another one up there that would certainly my point is that's a that's an out there example but the point is they seem to be very selective they're in our lives now the government is in their lives to get on our lives and i think people have had it now are you guys what do you plan to do with the information that your foreign requests are getting where do you go next yeah so so we've already sued the secretary of state in california over her monitoring of Judicial Watch's activity and um, reporting that to to Facebook and to YouTube and to Twitter. Um, and the other thing that we've been involved in that's less, uh, less focused on government collusion, but more of the use of government power, is we represent at least two teachers currently that have been fired because they posted social media, posted on Facebook and, um, and on Twitter information that, um, 
their school administrators didn't agree with and then they got fired. Yeah. And so what you're seeing and so what you're seeing is you're seeing government employers looking at looking at social media of their employees and firing them if they disagree with their point of views. That's crazy. And it's even more startling these days because, you know, it's always the conservative point of views that are being tossed out. And now you have teachers and other government officials that are promoting Hamas, that are supporting Hamas, supporting terrorism. And of course, they're not being fired. And so Judicial Watch is continuing to be involved in fighting for teachers and fighting for government employees and their right to speak on their own time on political issues. Michael Bakesha, thank you on behalf of all of us here, both in the studio and listening uh, for the deep dive and the real serious gumshoe investigations you guys are doing. Very few people do this, raising the awareness of uh, all the corruption in so many ways in so many places. Thank you, my friend, and tell Tom and the gang thank you as well, okay? Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, you too. Hey, we're just a little ahead of the market, and when we come back, Stephanie will be talking about can we reverse what's been going on in the market? Should we look at our 401ks? I don't know. I hope she'll have the answers. On the Morning Bell with Stephanie here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Thanks for being here, guys. Time for another cup of joe. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. News, analysis, and opinion. Free of charge from Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I'm here in the morning, Bell. We're just five minutes ahead of uh, the open in the market, and we've had three down days. Stephanie Bell with the morning, Bell. And some good news, green. Uh, the Ooh, futures good. are all green. Uh, Dow is just barely in the green. NASDAQ up almost um, uh, three quarters of a percent. So uh, hopefully some better news in the market for you this morning. Um, some AI news coming out mm. yesterday. Do you know your sign? What's your sign, Randy? I'm a Gemini. Virgo. Oh, yeah, you are. All right. Well, that works out really well because Google released Taurus. Gemini. Taurus. Yeah. Okay. I'm bullheaded. You're Taurus? Yeah. They didn't explain why they call this Gemini, but it is their new, um, basically, competitor with really? ChatGPT. Wow. Uh, they say it's already incorporated with its other model, Bard, which I think is their search engine. Um, but folks have been running, and you know these these things at at um, some level are are quite above my head. Um, but they run all these tests on the on these new AI models, and you know how does it score on this? How does it score on this? How does it score on this? And Gemini is the first one to outpace or score better hmm. than ChatGPT, and they're saying it could be a real competitor. Now it had they also released a video with um with the release of gemini and some folks are saying it doesn't yet do everything they promoted in the video and that the video is a little bit exaggerated <laughs> people who are really playing surprise. with it but i do think you know right now i worry chat gpt i think people have found it very helpful people are utilizing it in their business we talked to dr ashley immel one day about how she uses it in her business um i think it's helpful for things like marketing and and copywriting and those kinds of things um and but it's really been, I worry a little bit about a monopoly, right? It's really been the only player and a serious player in that space. And they came out with kind of paid models and these things. And I thought, you know, they're going to get us all addicted to this yep. and then charge us out the wazoo for whatever this model is. So I think having a competitor now, folks are skeptical of Google because, of course, Google has 
um, in some spaces, you know, the social space, for example, what was that Google thing called? Google, you, you, it was a social platform. Gosh, I can't oh, even remember I know, at I this know what point. you mean, but it circles was short-lived. Or, circles, yeah, or, circles something. or something. So yeah. Google has had a couple of, uh, of false yeah. starts um, with these, uh, you know, modern uh, modern platforms. And so folks are like, are, is Google in it to win it? Are they going to do that? And I think they have to be, right? Because if they are not, yeah. ChatGPT is going to overtake them. And so, you know, how well this model fares, whether people will switch from ChatGPT over to this new model, I don't know. But if it's, if it's seriously better, then it does one of two things. It creates kind of market competition and makes chat gpt say oh gosh we've got to get better or you know it becomes the new thing and, and and it shows that there are other people out there who can competitively play in this space i yeah there's no doubt it's coming right it's like the electric vehicles it's going to be here the question is is it ready for prime time can we trust what it says particularly on political issues john um are you hoping as i am that uh that there's going to be a conservative version, like we're developing a parallel economy, right? Where you can have billboards that connect uh, non-woke companies with employees that just want to work and not get bogged down in DEI, and there's public square for the shopping side. Wouldn't you like to see an AI that would not be Google influenced with their, you know, pol- we know where they come from politically. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I know when we first played around with, you know, with with the ai stuff it was like well let's try and write a news story with it and then ask for references and all and i remember i've told the story i said hey write me a story on missouri economics and is it you know as it plays into the governor's state of the state and it wrote the story which was you know believable and then it sent a bunch of uh uh background connections of stories you could read and they were all bogus. They didn't exist. <laughs> well, I know when we, when you search, I've heard people that have searched on their own for their own biography on AI. And they, you did it, didn't you, Stephanie? Hannah. Or it Hannah. Totally made Hannah, up her, Hannah got did. It wrong. her yeah. bio. Yeah. Hey, it is Pearl Harbor Day, and after the uh, bottom of the hour news, we're going to come back and talk about that. And I know I, I really can't wait to hear a great interview that John did with a Pearl Harbor survivor. So that coming up on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Text the crew at 874-9390. Warning, everyone on the show can read your texts. Welcome back to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Hope you're having a great uh, a great holiday time getting ready for things. Um, along with Stephanie Bell over there. How Good are you doing, morning. Stephanie? Then right. Hannah. Hello. And John. Good morning. I'm Randy Tobler. Here comes Brian Hausworth. How are you doing, Brian? It's good to see Randy. Um, hey, We're all color coordinated. We are color coordinated, aren't we? We've all got some yeah. black. We look nice. And if you haven't checked out the picture from the party with many of the Zimmer gang, we had uh, the crew here and we had uh, others that were all in on the shot. And we even did some attitude shots. I thought <laughs> yes. the attitude shots were fun. We <laughs> even got Brian Hansen in the photo. That yes. dude avoids you know, photos like the plague. We have a new name for him. Jennifer Bukowski, when she was on last week, called him Brian Handsome. Very so that's, just, that's a new name. That's Brian. awesome. He's tried to tell me for years that's his name. <laughs> want you to listen to this. Oop. Mr. Speaker, members of the Senate of the House of Representatives, yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. 
Well, that was Franklin Delano Roosevelt, of course, after Pearl Harbor. And uh, sometimes, what are we, 80, how many years? 82 years away? 80, um, f- eight, eight, it'd be 1941, so it'd be 80, 82 two years. years. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, these things fade into the distance, but they shouldn't fade from our memories. So Not it's December 7th, and uh, in a little bit we have uh, we have an interview that John Marsh did with a survivor. But Brian, your thoughts? Well, first of all, the soundbite, I mean, just uh, the, you, you younger people could never imagine how united the country was. I remember talking to my grandmother, my late grandmother. Nobody thought about Democrats. Nobody thought about Republicans. They, uh, quite frankly, most of the people that were in the service in those days were all malnourished, um, and they 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 joined. But that that really that ignited the war. And once the uh, Congress listened to the president, and they declared war, Germany declared war on uh, the United States as well. And it, it, you know, I remember my grandmother telling me it just seemed to take forever. It was about a four year war, nineteen forty. Well, it was longer than that. But when when America declared war. Two real quick thoughts. George Whiteman, who we, we know as Whiteman Air Force Base mm-hmm. in Nobnoster, he, an airman, he was the first airborne U.S. pilot killed on Pearl Harbor. He was hit by gunfire. My former colleague, Lisa Nelson, did a couple of really nice pieces on, really powerful pieces on, on Mr. Whiteman. Uh, he was from was, Sedalia. Sedalia, that's right. He was only 22 years old, John, when he died. And, uh, and his, his, a woman named Kathleen Boswell has been raising money for cemetery walks to help him. But there were 2,400 Americans killed, 1,100 injured. A movie by the name of Tora, Tora, Tora. Um, very powerful. I'd encourage people to see that. Um, pretty powerful about this. And think about General Whiteman and, and, and uh, Airman Whiteman, I should say. And the only other thing I'd mention, I don't know if the, at the time when I worked in Moberly, there were a couple of older gentlemen who were still there. There. They may still be alive, I don't know, but there were a couple of, of definitely World War II veterans uh, at the time that would remember. And there is a stretch of highway. It is still there for sure, the stretch of highway, because when I went up to see Congressman Graves, I remember seeing the sign. But a stretch of highway, it would be near Clark, um, roughly between Columbia and Moberly, that is named after the Pearl Harbor American veterans uh, and, and very powerful. And that was paid for by the, um, the the veterans had to pay for that sign themselves. I just think of that opening scene in the most recent Pearl Harbor movie and just how dramatic it was. I mean, it just, it just, it was, it was to me equivalent as, and as moving as the Saving Private Ryan, you know, D-Day beach scene. It just, um, to, to, to be there and to imagine, to put yourself there and to think what that must have been like. I mean, just unbelievable. You know? uh, and, and that was a great movie, too. No no yeah. doubt about it. I thought Tour 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 yeah. is, is uh, it's you know, a classic. It's yeah. well, it's it's and it just they were they were actually performing. A lot of the musicians were performing. Yeah. Uh, the band uh, is is the attack came. They had no idea. It was just absolutely horrible. Thank you for those uh, those thoughts, Brian. And yeah. You're right. I mean, we cannot forget them. Let's go to uh, let's go to Steve, and then I know uh, I want to get John's thoughts on this uh, on this day and of remembrance. Steve, you're up on Wake Good Up Mid Missouri. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you guys might be aware of this, but um, when when Pearl Harbor was bombed, uh, Truman happened to be here in Columbia. Um, hmm. At uh, do you guys know where I, the old Candlelight Lodge building is? I don't I know. Don't. I don't know. I don't. And, I, and I was not okay. aware that the, I was not aware the vice yes. president okay. was here. Well, we found all this information in Truman Library in the late '80s, but he was staying here, and um, 
it, it was called the Pierce Pennant Motor Inn, right across from the old airport on Business Loop. Yes. Okay, right across from that, and it's a large four-story white building that was built in 1929. Anyway, he was staying there. Uh, he wrote a letter back to his wife and basically said, um, uh, sorry, Bess, I'm going to have to go back to Washington. Of course, he was a senator, senator. then. Yes. Um, and I'll explain later, and signed his name and dated it. December 7th, 1941, we found that information because we had a lady uh, that lived at Kennel. I associated with Kennel Life for 30 years. Um, had a lady that said, Truman, you stay here in room 13. There's a corner room on first floor. And um, so um, we went to the library, found the envelope on microfilm hmm. and and the letter and was able to um, have them uh, make a photocopy of that and we did have it displayed uh, but I, I was away from Candlelight um, uh, in 2000 I was no longer an owner and uh, and so my part but okay um, Anyway, it's well, thanks, thanks for yeah. relating. I didn't realize that about the local history that Truman was here in town. No, thanks I, so I, much, Steve. I appreciate the call, and I'd, I'd love to eventually see that letter. That letter, I'd like to see that at some point. That that's fascinating, and it's a little confusing. Uh, he would have been Harry Truman would have been a senator at that time. He later became vice president, uh, and after after FDR died, he he became he became the, the president. But very powerful. Yeah, I know our, our our remembrance of it. I think for a lot of uh, a lot of listeners here in Mid Missouri, Bill McEnany, who was uh, of Jefferson City, who passed away last year at the age of one hundred and one. I at remember. The time. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Bill had been in the Navy at the time of the Pearl Harbor attack for several years. He was like a hospital corpsman, second class, stationed on one of the hospital ships. We did an interview with him a few number of years ago. And he had taken some liberty early that morning mm-hmm. and gone on a gone on a sightseeing tour and was out in it and treated the wounded right in the, the heart of that attack 82 years Holy ago. Hell. Here's a little bit of that. At the time the attack started, uh, uh, we were on what they call the Pally Overlook, which is going from one side of the island to the other. Now it's a big tourist attraction. You can see, uh, well, the north side of the island, the windward side. And uh, as we stood there, and this, our cab driver was explaining to us uh, about King Kamehameha and how he treated his enemies by throwing them over the cliff there, uh, we noticed that there were bomb bursts or shell bursts uh, out over Kaneohe Naval Air Station at the time. And we couldn't figure out what in the heck they were doing, target practice on Sunday. You, you didn't do that. but. Uh, then we saw an airplane falling out of the sky and figured, well, they're shooting drones. Well, they weren't shooting drones. And about that time, some guy drove up and wanted to know if the five of us were in the service. We were not in uniform at the time. We were in dungarees. And we out, and he said, well, the Japanese just bombed Pearl Harbor, and you're supposed to go back to your ships or stations. And we look at him like, are you some kind of nut, you know? And uh, anyhow, he said, well, turn the radio on the cab and listen. So we did. 
And sure enough, they were broadcasting that the they had attacked Pearl Harbor. Mm. And whether you're 20 or whether you're 90, mm. those kind of witnesses, those kind of testimonials, put things in perspective. Mm. You know, the way he speaks so matter of fact about it, you know, and these guys that had seen literally had seen hell That's in right. one way or another for how many years, some oh. of whom never came back. Some came back maimed their families, their psyches forever changed. So the next time you get uh, behind a combine rolling slow down the country road or you're blocked in with a truck in front of you on Highway 70 and a truck on the side of you and you feel the road rage coming or, you know, the the computer locks up and the mouse doesn't work. I think of these kind of men and these kind of of warriors and these kind of heroes and 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 the hell the literal hell that they went through and i'm like get a grip randy well and the, the <laughs> interview know? the interview you're absolutely right dr tobler there's no question about that but the interview that john and warren kretch um as i recall because i heard heard bill mr mckinney on many many times oh yeah um powerful and in and, and that was just one clip but there's he, he said so much yeah. more but it, he talked yeah. about at length about being being the crew you know since they were hospital corpsmen yeah. they were treating the wounded a lot of burn victims and all that and he was on hospital ships he did 20 years in the navy and retired as a chief hospital corpsman and said he was on at some of the biggest battles on the hospital ships in both world war ii and korea yeah, yeah ex- exactly. And it's just um, the patriotism in this country was so high. Um, and it's just it was it was a different era um, in, in, in many, many ways. All many, right. Many ways. It's uh, well, we wanted to just remind you that uh, on these solemn days, we should never forget. And there's a lot of never forgetting going on in among Jews around the nation and in the world. And uh, when for Americans, we should never forget that there are the bad people out there, and Americans always rise to the to the occasion and and meet the, meet the enemy. And uh, we pray to God that something like that, World War II, never ever ever happens again. When we come back on Wake Up Mid Missouri, we'll open up the door for the leftovers and see what's up. And if you have something on your mind you'd like to get, oh, John, I got a text for you, brother. I got a text for you when we come back on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. 573-874-9390. Wrap it up in a minute. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. The news can be heavy. So can a boulder. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Here's a big old serving of leftovers. Enjoy. Oh, we love the leftovers slurping out of that bowl that was five days old. No, <laughs> You're and, probably still eating on Thanksgiving no, leftovers, I'm not, aren't no, you? Not, I'm getting a bad reputation here. No, no, I'm not advocating food unsafety. I'm not doing that. Never have had food poisoning that I know of. Yeah, but your definition of food safety is different from what <laughs> others would use. <laughs> All right. I want to go through a couple of the texts we're catching up on. And John, how wide is the doorway out of the studio here? I'm looking. It's like maybe 32 inches. It's a little wider than your average one. I don't know if your head will be able to emerge from the studio. <laughs> okay. But while you were doing you... Uh, uh, you're, you know, if there was nothing uh, after all except for this segment, 
Yes. John John Marsh for Mo House. Are you going to file, John? I don't know. Is the filing period still available? Rick says John Marsh for Mo House. Have you ever thought about it, John? No. <laughs> I've watched those guys for too many years to ever want to be one of them. You sound like you've thought about it. Not me. <laughs> and decided no way. No, you'd you'd rather cover I, I it. I leave the politics to the counselor. You'd rather cover it than uh, than watch it, right? Yeah, enough said. Than be a part of it. All right. <laughs> uh, so Norman Lear died, and I wanted to cover that. Norman Lear, 101 years old. John, you know Norman Lear. I mean, he was the father of sitcoms, uh, the Jeffersons, uh, All in the Family, One Day Sanford at a Time. Sanford and Son. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Sanford and Son. Um, and and here's a little bit from uh, Archie Bunker interacting with George Jefferson. Arian says a Presbyterian. <laughs> but whatever he was, he was never black. Well, if God wasn't black, how come he built us so much better than you? <laughs> Are you kidding? Well, look at the way it is, man. Take us out of football, take us out of basketball, take us out of the Olympics, and what do you got? I can't even think about it. It's pathetic. <laughs> You know it's a white because they're picked by lily white Americans like you who only pick other lily white Americans. So what? So nothing. Keep your white astronauts like I already proved to you. We got God who is black. <laughs> well, the only answer to that is. And. And on and on. <laughs> Classic stuff. <laughs> Great stuff. And, I mean, on and on. And, of course, the way, you know, he was always put down. What, what did he say with Edith, his wife? Edith would say something. And he'd go, he'd say, Edith Stifle, right? Stifle. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was always calling uh, Rob Reiner, his son-in-law, the meathead. <laughs> the meathead. Well, and I think knowing Rob Reiner's politics, I can agree with that. <laughs> but, yeah, now, and the question is, could those kind of things ever be made today? I don't think that could be made in 2023. No way. Probably not. And then there was Mel Brooks and a show called The Producers when coming Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane. And they and, and the story goes they were failed producers. They'd had a flop. Um, and it was a flop that was supposed to be a parody on some great show. I don't Shakespeare like this already. And and so they they decide that they're going to coerce some older woman to just, you know, they, they scam her, basically. And they do a thing called Springtime with Hitler. And they've got fan <laughs> dancers like Nazis. I mean, it's Mel Brooks is as Jewish as they come, right? But he had no problem making a parody on that. How and, about Blazing Saddles? Oh, my God, Blazing Saddles. That would never be made these days. You could never do it. History of the World Part 2, that one, I mean, it was unbelievable with Gregory Hines. This might be why I don't watch a whole lot of TV. Fifteen. Anymore. There uh, you go. Ten. Yep. Ten yeah. commandments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, right. you're right. Oh, how about, uh, I mean, there's just so many irreverent things that could never be made today, and it makes you wonder, have we, be, have we all, has society become snowflakes? Are we all snowflakes and we're just afraid of offending someone? I mean, come on. If we can't laugh at ourselves. It's not funny anymore. That's why, like, you turn on the TV and it's not funny. No, it isn't. Because people are too scared to actually be funny. Yeah. And, I mean, I, my, my, uh, you know, I, when we grew up, we had people that were of Polish descent, you know, Italian descent. They would make jokes about, I won't say the word, Polish people and, you know, 
they would make jokes about their own culture and about their own ethnicity because they were perhaps what we just got done talking about. They were of the World War II greatest, dare I say, toughest generation, right? Well, that wraps it up for another great morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Thank you for listening and making it great. For producer Hannah. Hello. Or goodbye, And Stephanie. (laughs) Bye. And John and Brian for saying bye and signing off. Have a great afternoon. I'll see you, and I'll see you this afternoon on The Tobler Show.